This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Charlie Harari Show. Hope everyone's doing well. What an amazing week it has been. So much happening in the world, so much to learn from. And for those who are joining us for the first time, welcome. It's great to have you. What we're going to do on this show is talk about a couple of stories that you may be seeing in the papers. And what lessons we can learn from it so that we become the people that we're meant to be. You know, I was sitting on an airplane this week and I looked at, I got the papers, you know, before I get on these airplanes, you know, you go to these clubs or the lounges and like they have like a hundred papers, right? So you take every paper, at least I do. So I have what to read on the airplane and I'm looking at these papers and I'm noticing that there are three stories that continuously are coming up again and again and again. And they seem like they're totally disparate and different stories. But as I'm reading through each and every one, there's something that really hits me as an underlying principle that brings them all together, right? You're seeing the story of the takedown of one of the most powerful men in media, which is so difficult to do. Roger Ailes of Fox News, the man who built Fox News, who is revered and feared by so many people, is on his, left le- on his last leg and is on the way out of Fox News after an entire career um, there, I mean, he spent his career in other places, but really a dominant career there. You're hearing about the story that I really want to talk to you guys about today, about Volkswagen and the cheating that they have done systematically over years, starting from 2006 and how they're getting busted for it. And the story about this axe attack and the cover-up in Germany. You may have not seen this before. There was an axe attack, that for sure everybody saw, but there was a cover-up in Germany in terms of sexual crimes committed against women that has been exploding over the past few years. This is all happening in the world today. And there's so many people being taken down and so much happening. And I'm sitting there on the airplane. And as I'm looking at these stories, there is this this sort of um, flashback, right? That's the word, flashback that came to me. And I want to share that with you. And I think this flashback, to me, is what I'm taking out of at least these three stories and what we can learn from it. You know, I was a kid growing up. I went to a faith-based school. I went to a school where we studied Bible and faith, and we also had, obviously, secular studies. And a lot of the kids in the school weren't that keen on the faith part, right? They were okay studying math and science and English. But once it got to scriptures or Bible or anything related to God or religion, the, the kid, these guys just sort of like, you know, sort of their eyes glazed, glassed over and they were like, you know, we're, we're out of here. So I'll never forget, it was, you know, my senior year of high school, and we were studying some class, and, you know, we were talking about some piece of the Bible where you guy was saying this or saying that, and um, at some point, the kid in the back, this one of these kids was, um, you know, not happy. He was, like, sick of it, and he let out this, like, really deep, like, you know, sigh, like, you know, like, come on. Right. And I was into it. I personally love this stuff, but he wasn't. And the story that was being told over just wasn't resonating with him. 
And I'll never forget, the teacher in front of the room sort of stopped the class. And he said, what's your problem? And the guy's like, this guy's like, you know what? Like, what does it matter? We got to do things that God wants. And we always got to be making him happy. And what about making me happy? And why do I always got to think about God? Anyway, I'm like, yeah, as he's saying it, I'm like, you know, I hope he doesn't get hit by lightning. I'm thinking maybe if he got hit by lightning, that'd be even better. How cool would that be if all of a sudden out of nowhere, like lightning just struggle? Either way. So he's talking about it and the principles. And, and this and, and the teacher's going back and forth to him about the value of having faith in the, in, in the world and the value of living a life that is based on these principles that come not just from man, but from a divine source. And, and, and he's just not buying it. He's just not buying it. He doesn't want it. He, he, he's, he's rejecting it and he's rebelling against it. So at some point he gets up and he's like, listen, I'm out of here. And he, hit, he goes to the door and, and this is it. This is like senior year. This is like the last few weeks of senior year. And this teacher knows that he's not going to end up coming back. And it's, it's, this is his sort of last shot to sort of impress something upon this guy before he leaves. And as he's walking out the door, the teacher turns to him and says, all right, listen, you can do whatever you want, but I want you to remember one thing about life. And he gives him this one liner that sends shivers down my spine. And even then, at 17 years old, when I heard that, it resonated with me as something that was so true, that was so real. And as, you go, as I've gone through my life, I have seen time and again that one statement being brought up as truth everywhere I look. So... When you think about what's going on in the world today, you'll notice that there's a lot happening. But this week in particular, there was, at least in the covers of the paper, the story of Roger Ailes. Now, Roger Ailes is of the most revered, revered media personalities in the world. And a story came out that Roger Ailes was being accused by Gretchen Carlson for sexual harassment. Things that you hear about and you may experience in certain offices around the country, if you're especially in certain places, but you hear stories of where women go through this level of torture, so to speak. And it is torture. I mean, guys don't realize how torturous it is because guys wouldn't mind it if women came to them and started hitting on them as much as women mind it when guys do it. So if you're a guy listening to this, you're thinking to yourself, what's the big deal? But if you're a woman listening to this, you're like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly how we feel. It's ridiculous. And it's offensive to be able to be in a room and have somebody, an older, larger, lesser attractive man, because he's your boss, constantly make comments to you about your body, about innuendos that's completely inappropriate. But Roger Ailes is untouchable. And for years... Roger Ailes was making these comments against Carlson and making these comments, apparently, to other people in the Fox industry. Just recently, Megyn Kelly came out and said that he's made advances to her as well. And for years, she's put up with this. She had to. This is what she has to do. She's making it in the industry. And when you're making it in the industry, you're not going to... This isn't that there's 10 other places to go to. She doesn't have four other banks or law firms or governmental institutions or schools or neighborhoods that you can move to. It's Fox, especially with Fox. You ain't going basically to any other real network. But even if you are, getting a job in media, getting a job as an anchor, getting a show is so incredibly difficult that if the boss 
makes a comment to you, if your boss makes you feel uncomfortable, if your boss makes an advance towards you that is sexual in nature and offensive, you sort of grin it, you bear it. That's how it works. That's how it works for years. And that's what Gretchen had gone through. Assuming this is all true, because the truth is, to be fair to him, we are still living in America, and one of the greatest principles of America is that you are innocent until proven guilty. But assuming that the allegations that are coming out right now are at least partially true, you can picture, if you can, a culture where the boss man, where the person on top with all the power has the ability to say what he wants, when he wants, regardless of how it'll make somebody else feel. And this happens, by the way, a lot in life. This happens when you're a parent. This happens when you're a principal. This happens when you're a CEO. When you, There are many structures in life where the people on top hold all the power, where there is no repercussions, ramifications for their actions. No one's going to tell a CEO of a company Unless it's a major public company, they can't fire somebody or hire somebody or give somebody more work or less work. No one's going to walk into a home and tell a parent what to do with their kids. Nobody's going to walk into a school, unless there's a strong board, but typically not, and tell a principal how to act towards a teacher, towards a student. There are a lot of political and non-political structures in the world today. You may be one on either side of this coin. You may be the person of power, or you may be the person that is underneath the power, and you know full well that if one or two people in this company that you work for decides one morning that they don't like you, your, your, your future changes, because that's just how things work. And this is a huge issue that's happening in the political sphere right now, where Bernie Sanders and stuff are, are recognizing this, this imbalance of power and trying to break it, but they're not, they don't appreciate it. It's just how it works. It's how systems work individuals that are able to accomplish certain things and hire people and delegate, it's more complicated than just breaking up a big bank. But then again, if you just go into the complications, you're not going to get a lot of people at your rally. So if you just keep it more virulent and simpler for people and just yell and scream, more people will show up at rallies. So that's the beauty of political climate here in America. But we've all been to situations where we've seen this and we've met people like this. They're above the law. They're above reproach. They're above the moral code that we all live with and walk with. You typically won't say things to people on the street if you're a decent human being because there's certain social codes. And I'm, I'm constantly amazed by this, where I walk down the streets of Manhattan frequently and you can see right away certain people and how they respect themselves if an attractive woman walks by them and who's going to make a comment out loud and who won't? And I'm shocked, constantly shocked by men just, just saying things. And the woman just walks, keeps on walking. Like, what were they thinking that she would stop and go, oh, wow, yeah, you said that about my, my body? Th- yeah, you, you want to go out? Like, thanks. But this idea that there's somebody with a certain level of either power or nothing to lose, and as a result, they treat other people differently. And in this case in particular, what was so... What is so interesting about what's happening right now with Roger Ailes, and as women are going to come forward, and you see this with Bill Cosby, but as women come forward, what you'll find is this culture where people think that I can get away with things that even though they're wrong. I wouldn't think for a second that Roger Ailes, if let's say all these allegations are true, Roger Ailes' defense is, what, I did something wrong? Like, well, 
Oh, you're not supposed to say those things? I had no idea. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not supposed to comment, comment that way or make an advance? Oh, I just, I guess I must have missed that week at school. My bad. Sorry. Could we just do this over? He's going to say what he should say, which is either I didn't do it. And if I, if I did do it and that's where he is, he'll probably apologize insincerely, but he'll probably apologize either way. The idea that you're in a position to do something with no ramifications, with no repercussions is a, is a principle that we all live in. All of us are in a situation where we're doing something or have done something that has no repercussions. No one's looking or no one can stop us and it doesn't really matter. And That, I believe, deep down is what my 17-year-old friend was really after. I think what really bothered him about the, the conversation about God wasn't that there's a God. I, 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 I'm shocked by people that don't want a world with a God? Why would you want a world without a divine being or purpose? What bothered him so much was that this God can actually see his or can appreciate his actions and wants him to live to a standard even if nobody is around. And when you are in a situation where you are able to believe that what you do cannot be stopped or has no repercussions, that's the true measure of who you are. And so Roger Ailes does what he does whenever he wants to, or at least in this case. But then something happens. One day, out of the blue, so to speak, it all changes. It's amazing. It all changes. Gretchen Carlson has the power or the guts or the stupidity or she's got nothing to lose and she's down on her luck and everything is going wrong. And she files suit, and just like that, just like that, you can snap your fingers and take a career of somebody who's been, who's been working nonstop for decades to build his reputation, to build his career, to build his power, to build his influence, and with a snap of a finger, it all catches up. It all catches up, and it's all over. That's the story of Roger Ailes in my mind. And there's so many more details. But the story is that you live your life and you think that nobody is going to pay attention to your actions. That you can get away with stuff. That you can, especially with other people, you can do things to people that you have more power over and it doesn't catch up. This, by the way, happens to parents all the time. They got kids in the house. Those kids are little. They drive them nuts. And the parents act in ways that they are embarrassed of if they think about it. But the kids are making them crazy and they got to live their lives or it's too hard to handle some of these kids. And they say things and they do things. And it's easier for them to yell and scream than to speak quietly and nicely and it's easier for them to blame their kids or drive them nuts or make them something that they're not it's easier for them to torture their children so to speak than to actually dig deep and become bigger parents and as a result they do it anyway they just do what it's easier and they wake up one morning and the kid's 18 years old he goes to college and he never comes home he never comes home and it catches up and they're 28 or they're 40 and they don't even visit and there's kids and there's grandkids, but the kid, he's not interested. And you're saying, what happened? That was your mom. I'm your dad. And the answer is, is that you had a chance when you were in control to do what was right and you chose not to. 
and it catches up. So there's another scandal going on. Down the road, a second scandal. And this scandal is so much bigger, I think. In ter- well, let's say bigger and, and different. So much more distinct than the ale scandal. But it's a scandal nonetheless. And it's a story of the Volkswagen. When we come back, we're going to talk about what Volkswagen did and why it's so aligned to the same principle of when you do something, even if you're in control, it's going to catch up with you. This is all coming up when we come back. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Talking about the idea of being in control of your actions with no ramifications and it catching up with you when you're doing the wrong thing. Speaking about Roger Ailes and his incredible tenure at Fox News, his incredible unprecedented power in the media room and how he used it, unfortunately, in part to say whatever he wanted to women. And then one day he woke up and it caught up with him because sometimes you're in control and you're in power and no one can stop you. And when you do the wrong thing, when you're in that power, it catches up. Let's go down to a different crisis that has been on the cover of the papers this week. And that is the crisis of the Volkswagen scandal. So what's been going on with Volkswagen? So this is a story that I reported when I was on ABC in the beginning of last year that really was an inc- this is a really big scandal with regards especially to companies and it came up last year when it first the, the the news broke and it sort of went away for a year and now it's coming up again as states start to sue Volkswagen for their emission cheating me- mechanics or antics um, that's right now coming up, and in particular, the New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman um, has been very active right now in trying to bring um, Volkswagen and Matthew Matthias Muller, its chief, chief executive, to task for what they did. So what, what's this whole Volkswagen scandal? So here's what it is in a nutshell. In 2006, the, um, the manufacturers at Volkswagen, in particular, I believe it was an Audi, um, in their diesel section, their diesel cars, they were they were out there projecting an efficient car that was some able to get a lot of miles per the gallon and very efficient, and smooth ride and everything. And what was happening is there were certain governmental tests to reduce emissions by the cars, and in particular, the emission for this one is NOx, certain uh, chemicals that get emitted emitted by cars, and you know, the United States has standard for how much a car could emit these chemicals into the atmosphere when it's being driven. And so, the Volkswagen manufacturers and their, their, their engineers were troubled because their cars were promising such 
high standards and such high quality, and they weren't able to um, deliver because the cars weren't built that way. And they couldn't comply with the high standards that the United States had set for its cars. And so after trying and trying and trying, what they did was they created what they called defeat mechanisms. So what does that mean? So cars today are basically computers, right? They're not, in the old days, cars were parts. They're not parts anymore. They're computers. Now, the computers are controlling all the different parts, but it's, they're just, it's, it's a massive computer. You'll see this over the course of time. The car will continuously become more and more and more of a large, smart computer. You're seeing this like Tesla and things like that. And so what Volkswagen did was Volkswagen created a defeat mechanism. And so when a car was, a car was able to detect, so to speak, in their, in their systems, when it was being tested in a garage or in a lot somewhere under the inspector's rules. And it's basically it would sit stationary on a, you know, on a dolly or a truck or whatever. And they would spin the wheels and drive the car and test how much in this controlled environment, they would test how much chemicals are being emitted out of the car. And then it would report a certain level of chemicals that were coming out. And what it did was the car was built with a mechanism that was able to detect when it was in the stationary position. And when it was in the stationary position, based on wheel steering and things like that, when it was in this stationary position, it emitted a lower level of chemicals out. So if you brought the car to testing and you brought the car to a lot somewhere and they hoisted it and they ran the reels and they checked how much was coming out of the car, the the levels that were being emitted from the car were were compliant with the U.S. requirements for these types of vehicles. And so they passed inspections. But a small group out of Michigan University decided they were going to run a test on these vehicles on the road. And they ran this test, which is incredible. They ran a test like this, and what they found was when the cars were on the road... It emitted a higher amount of of this NOx chemical. And they published their studies. Nobody paid attention to it until finally a bunch of reporters picked it up and turned it into a scandal and started an internal investigation. And they investigated into what was going on. And last year it came out that what happened was that the Volkswagen engineers created what they called defeat devices. And that's why they were able to pass internally and fail because they were really emitting these chemicals on the street. They were cheating. They created these great cheat devices in which lots of these cars were fitted with. And it was a major, major scandal. And now, when it first came out, Volkswagen's position was it's a few rogue scientists and engineers that needed to make their quotas and wanted to assure that they were going to have their products on the line, and it was what it was, and it allocated a certain amount of billion dollars in terms of litigation, and it moved on. But now, what's coming out is that actually Matthias Muller, who is their chief executive, was a project manager at Audi in 2006. And the idea that someone like him and the executives on top didn't know really about what was going on is becoming less and less likely. In fact, the culture almost was breeding it, as the report says, and the management um, was up and down the chain, at least aware or knew or should have been aware, as multiple defeat vices were introduced 
and then revised and revised and made, made better and better and better. And so Volkswagen right now is staring down a problem where you have literally fines and recalls and billions and billions of dollars that are now going to face it in terms of litigation costs and potential penalties and potential losses that may, who knows, disrupt this organization. But if you think about it, it's so similar to the Roger Ailes case, is it not? Is it not the same concept of a few powerful people that have a problem? And the problem is, is that you can either do the right thing or the wrong thing. And when you are in a position of such power and nobody can stop you, who would have thought in a million years that if they can create a device that's going to outsmart the government inspectors, that they're going to get caught on the road? Who would follow a car on the road and check the admissions? This was a home run slam dunk idea. But it's amazing how this works, is it not? It is astounding by how this happens time and time again. We come back, we conclude with this Volkswagen story, talk about what's going on in Germany, and bring us back to that classroom and to the advice that my friend got from his teacher that sticks still, still sticks with me to this day. This is all coming up when we come back with the show. This is Charlie Harari, and you're listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. It's not just about the facts. It's about perspective. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. It's not just about the facts. It's about perspective. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. Welcome back to the show talking about what does it mean to do the right thing even if you can get away with it. Speaking about Roger Ailes and being in power and acting in a way in which you can't get caught. Now talking about Volkswagen and their decision to try to cheat the system and their ability to get away with it for many, many years. In 2006, this whole thing began. And we're talking about a decade of sort of easily getting away by outsmarting, so to speak, the inspectors in terms of releasing this dangerous chemical into the environment through their diesel cars and having this small group of researchers out of the University of Michigan pick it up, publish the report, have nobody even pay attention to it until a couple of reporters did and turned it into a massive story. And now they're being sued not only by the government, by multiple states along the way. And the losses are just, they're just beginning. I mean, they're, they're, their troubles are, is, it, this is the beginning of it. It's going to get really dark before it gets light again for Volkswagen, even if it gets light again for Volkswagen. And it comes down to this principle in which their chief executive, who is now uh, being much more implicated than before Matthias Muller, can, I can almost picture sitting around the room 
and having a, an, an off-the-record conversation where this was discussed or they knew about it or they should have known about it. And the feeling is we can get away with it. There is no ramifications to our actions, right? There's no ramifications to my actions. And so why would I play by the rules if I can't get caught? Or if I do get caught, no one can do anything to me. You see how powerful that is? The ability to play by the rules even though you don't need the rules? And the decisions that people make to do things that are against the rules because they don't feel they can get caught or they're too powerful. How many times does this happen in our lives? How many people do we know and do we read about on a daily and weekly basis that end up on the cover of a paper because when they started doing something, they did it and they realized they can't get caught or they're above it or they're too powerful or no one's going to stop them. This is the Volkswagen story. They were too powerful. They were, they were too smart in this case and they outsmarted the U.S. inspectors and was able to bring cars to the market that were cheaper, that were more efficient, that drove better, all because they created these... It's amazing that you could, they could have created more technology, but they used that brain power to cheat, right? You know that kid that cheats on the test and you say, hey, if you're spending so much time figuring out how to cheat on the test, why don't you spend that same brain power and actually study the material, then you win fairly. And the answer is typically, to be honest, that if it takes 80%, so to speak, 80 units of brain power to cheat, it takes 100 units to win fairly. And it's those 20 units that people say, nah. If Roger Ailes, so to speak, was able to shut his tongue, he would be able to have a life sort of, of whatever he wanted if he can just be better and bigger about it. If Mueller and the Volkswagen team wanted to become the most efficient, enjoyable car in the market, they could have spent their engineers' time and attention to actually make a better car. And it would have been a little bit harder than it would have been to cheat. But they cheat. And this adage that comes up again and again is that it catches up. It always catches up. And in this case, when it caught up with Volkswagen, it splattered them all over the papers. But there's one more thing that I think is worth mentioning here before we get to our conclusion. And that is what's going on in Germany. Germany is an incredible story, and it's a story that we will not hear enough about because we're not in Germany. And the truth is, America doesn't really care that much about Germany, to be, to be frank. Germany's not one of our top few countries that we care what goes on there, but it's interesting nonetheless, in which you have a country that a year ago took the policy of just sort of opening their arms to all the migrants that came out of Syria, which is a very nice thing in general. But if you're a country, especially our country or any country, the inability to control a flow of immigrants or to at least know who's coming in is irresponsible. I also feel very strongly about helping people, but I would never in my life go to Manhattan and take all the people out of the homeless shelters and put them in my house. You know why? Because I've got kids in my house. I would ha I'm happy to help people. And if people would come into my house, if my house would be big enough, so to speak, to bring people in, I would be very careful as to who comes in and what the rules are and how to deal with it. And you know why? Because responsibility starts from my house. That's what's, but that's why they elected me. So to, they didn't elect me, but that's why I'm the dad. That's why they elected me parent. If I'm a president or a prime minister, my responsibility goes to my, my 
residents and I have to lead and be helpful and be and be gracious to those that don't have, but I have to do that I have to do it in a responsible way. And Germany doesn't. Germany opens its borders and just sort of raises its arms and says, See, look how awesome we are, look how incredible we are. That everybody is welcome. And two things just happened this week that, that really begins to show you how dangerous that is. Number one, the axe attack. A young refugee that was even granted citizenship, if I I remember, walked on a train with an axe that are just slashing people. This happens across the country. It happens in Israel. It happens where people that are brought into your country and given the, the benefits of your country are not believers in your vision and into into your outlook, into your worldview. And as a result, they can take steps to really hurt you. Look what happened in, in Nice the week beforehand. But another thing came out this week, which is also very interesting, which is that Germany actually covered up the amount of sexual abuse that had taken place in multiple parts of Germany where there's a migrant population. The, the, the sexual assault rate has exploded over the past year since the migrants came. And Germany didn't want to come across as making a mistake. So they covered it up. And they reported much less in terms of the amount of complaints, almost zero arrests, prosecutions for the people that were actually committing these crimes. And it just came out now, there's a cover-up that more and more and more victims came forward. There were more um, potential arrests that could have been made, prosecutions, law and order. But it wasn't been done because they made a decision a year ago and they can do whatever they want. And then the decision was actually coming against them. And as opposed to stepping up and saying, our bad, let's try to fix it, they covered it up to not look bad. But you know what ends up happening? It all catches up. It all catches up. And that was the moment that really hit me in that classroom. As that 17-year-old turned for the door, and the teacher had very little left to say, he, he said one more thing to him. He said, you can leave and do what you want, and you can make your own decisions in life. Everyone could decide what kind of life they want to live. We can't, no one can force faith on another person. Nobody could expect somebody else to believe in things that they don't. But remember, the teacher said, that the world is run by a divine being, whether you like it or you don't. There's rules. There's order. It's not chaos. It's not random. Everything catches up. Everything catches up. And it's those three words that have stuck in my head for all these years. Everything catches up. There's a moment where you can do something that is right and wrong. And nobody's around. And nobody can stop you. And nobody can tell you otherwise. And you're in complete control. You're the boss of your company. You are a parent of your family. You are in charge of an organization or of a school. You're alone in your home. You're, you see a way to cheat. And you look to the right and you look to the left and there's nobody there to stop you. You see something that can, needs to be changed and you don't do anything about it. You act in a way that helps one pe- person, but you don't really, really think about the people behind you. Life sends us scenarios all the time. 
life is constantly sending us challenges and opportunities for us to become the people that we're meant to be. And we think that the way life works is that we all have this goal to get to, right? We all want to be somewhere. So we look at the goal and go, okay, I want to get to that location. And then we live through life and then life throws us stuff and we go, oh shoot, I didn't want that. Oh, I like that when that's getting my way and I want that. And we just go through our lives assuming that the way life is supposed to be worked is down the path that I set for myself and anything that takes me away from that path needs to be avoided or jumped over and whatever takes me towards my path is what I want. So I want to have a certain type of car because our goal is to produce this vehicle to make more money for our shareholders. And the idea that there is an, an, a government that we have to operate within in terms of their standards is getting in my way. And when you act that way and when you think that way, then when life throws you stuff, you decide how to deal with those things. And many times what you'll do is you'll do whatever it takes to get rid of it, whatever it takes And the ability to restrain yourself, the ability to hold on to what you think is correct, even if it takes you away from what you want, is very difficult. Roger Ailes could have shut his mouth, even though he thought that Gretchen Carlson was really, really attractive. He could have. It's not what he wanted. So could Germany. But everything you do will catch up. Everything. It may take a year. It may take a lifetime. It may, t- it may take decades. It may just be that feeling of guilt or remorse that, that you go to your grave with. But whatever it is, to the good or to the bad, you help somebody out, you do the right thing, it catches up. It makes you a different person. The kids come home more. They pick up the phone when they need you. You become the company that you're proud of. And you retire in a way that makes people proud of you. You deliver some value to the market. And then when it's your turn to retire and when it's your turn to give the mantle up, people look to each other and they go, that guy was a great guy. He did the right thing. I'm proud to, I'm proud to say that I work for his organization. And this is not a shot against Fox necessarily. It's a concept that I think that if each and every one of us sort of lived with, we would realize that life is not about getting to a journey or to a destination. Life is about being on the journey. It's about dealing with what gets sent our way in the way that we would make ourselves proud. Whether you are a believer in a certain faith or not a faith, the idea that there is something in this world beyond us, there is order to the chaos. It's not just random. And whether or not you do this ritual or that ritual, when you live your life from a perspective that it's going to catch up, it's those little things that you start with that make that difference. You know, you don't become a cheat overnight. You know, even someone, you know, as crazy as Bernie Madoff, he didn't become a cheat overnight, right? He needed to make the quarterly payments on his funds. So he just took a little bit from the wrong place. And nobody caught him. Then he took a little bit more and nobody caught him. And then people started saying, wow, Bernie, I'm getting great returns from you. And he became to have this guy with the reputation of who can deliver 10% return. 10% returns in the market is massive. If you can deliver 10% returns on a constant basis, you are the greatest guy around. And he started going to clubs. People started loving him. He became popular. And he became him. A little bit. A little bit. 
Lance Armstrong, when he came back and he started realizing that I can beat these guys, so it just took a little bit of little bit of stuff, a little bit. Just give me a drop to get through this race. Okay, a little bit more. Okay, now I'm Lance Armstrong. Now I'm the greatest racer in the history of the world. Now I'm Bernie Madoff. Now I'm the greatest fund investor in in in, in America. Right now I, I I'm the guy. I can't stop now. I need a little bit more. I need a little bit more. I need a little bit more. And you just keep on doing and acting and acting, and then no one's going to catch up with me. It's not going to catch up. No one's going to know. It'll all be good. And the bricks bricks continue to build and build, and then all of a sudden, one day, the market moves, and Bernie's gone. One of the guys in his team rats him out, and Lance is gone. And an entire life, an entire life of reputation, life to your family, to your children, your legacy, your grandkids... How people remember you in the sport or in the industry. All of it. It all comes crashing down. Because it catches up. And I guarantee you, if Roger Ailes, or I hope Matthias Muller, or um, Lance Armstrong, or Bernie Madoff, or a hundred other people that we all know, would look back and go, what if I would have went the other way? I would have had a little less fame, a little less money, a little less tension. Would it, I would have gotten less stuff. I'd have to control myself a little bit more. I guarantee you every person, unless they're delusional, would say, why didn't I just go to the right versus to the left? And we may be in that situation, each and every one of us. We may be in our lives right now at the beginning of the journey in this particular area. We may be at a time where it's really, really early on and we can make decisions today that'll impact our tomorrow. And every time we make that decision to do what's right, to have integrity, to take the right path versus to take the easy, cheating, non-restrictive way to go, we, we step in the world of I hope everything catches up versus the world of I hope not Right? When you live a life and you know that everything that you do during your day, you hope catches up with you one day, the kindness, the hard work, the giving, you live a great, amazing life. Because if it doesn't, you're doing what's right. And if it does, you get all the benefit. But once you live in a world where you are scared to death that it catches up, after you're done, you realize the stuff that I get for it's not worth it. And you live with this fear that one day it's all going to catch up. When we come back. We're going to take a little bit of a left turn in the show and end with a little bit of a positive on Donald Trump. I'm not really a huge, big fan, as you can tell from my hundreds of things that I've been saying. Everything, every show has been dedicated against him. But there's one thing that I noticed today now that he is the GOP nominee, and this is the convention that elected him. There was one thing that I was thinking about today that really was a positive about him. And we'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. It's more than just events. It's what they mean to your life. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. Buck Sexton. Uh, what do principles mean if you don't actually do anything for them? If, if, you're, if we're talking about a presidential election, all you can do is push your ideas out there and vote. Right? You, you do it. I do it. We all do it. Talk to our neighbors, our friends, maybe get on social media. We push ideas and we vote. We try to do the best we can under the circumstances to get the best policies we can that are as close to being in line with what we believe and what we want. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network.
delve into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. Welcome back to the show. Speaking today about everything catches up. The concept and the idea that when you live a life, there's order to the chaos. And wherever you are in the spectrum of belief, you got to know and believe to your core that there's order. When you do something that you're proud of, you're excited that everything catches up. But when you do something that you're not proud of, even if nobody's around and you feel like you're, you're literally above the law, you look around and you'll find that the world will show you again and again that nobody's above the law. Nobody. Hillary Clinton thought that she was above the law when she set up her email server. It can literally cost her an election. Bill Clinton thought he was above the law when he invited the ladies into his Oval Office and did whatever he wanted with them. It literally destroyed his reputation. From being arguably seen as one of the most popular presidents in the history of America to being a little bit slimy. It catches up. But let's end on a positive. And I gotta tell you, there's something about this week and Donald Trump that made me feel like I can learn something really positive about him. I'm watching the convention and I'm reading the reports. And here you have hundreds and thousands of millions of people that are cheering for him, even at the convention floor, right? Nobody thought that at the convention floor, you would have this level of support for Donald Trump. Even when he was winning in the primaries, the standard way of thinking, the reason why John Kasich, the reason why Ted Cruz, the reason why Michael Rubio all held together as long as they did. The reason why I think he's even there is because each of these guys had a belief. And the belief was that I don't get to win the primaries in a standard fashion, I just need to get to the convention. And when I get to the convention, there's convention rules and there's delegates. And we've had a history of where you get to the convention and you pick one person, not the other person. And so John Kasich bet his campaign on it and lost. I think he bet a lot more than his campaign. I think he bet everyone's campaign on it. But either way, Ted Cruz bet his campaign on it and lost. And so did Marco Rubio. They went as far as they can go down, realizing that they didn't have enough delegates, but nobody would have thought that you're going to get to a GOP convention and there'd be this sort of widespread support for Donald Trump. Even though there were people that walked out and there was some booing, for the most part, it's been a Trump show. Rudy Giuliani and Mike Pence and tons of people came out in massive support. Bikers, I mean, literally the, the support that Donald Trump got to be president was not on anybody's radar screen six, eight, ten months ago. And I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking to myself, first of all, I'm thinking, like, they're all crazy. But all right, let's, let's, let's separate that for a second, because at some point, you've got to go with what you're going with. But something stuck out in my mind. Nobody believed in Donald Trump, except for Donald Trump. Call a spade a spade. A year ago, two years ago, nobody, nobody believe that Donald Trump would be the GOP nominee, except for Donald Trump. Everybody thought he was nuts. Everybody thought this is a publicity stunt. Everybody thought that he couldn't make it and he wouldn't make it. Nobody took him seriously. Even his own family probably thought that he was just sort of on another one of his publicity stunts. Nobody thought he could be the GOP nominee, except for himself. You know why? Because no one's going to believe in you as much as you. Nobody is going to believe in you as much as you. If you believe that you can do something in this world, if you believe you can be somebody in this world, 
You don't need to cheat your way to it. You don't need to do the wrong things. You need to believe in yourself. When you believe in yourself at a high level, if you have strong belief in what you're capable of and who you can become, that even if the world tells you that you're crazy, think to yourself, if Donald Trump could become the GOP nominee, what is possible for my life? Remember, everything catches up. This is Charlie Harari. Thank you for the time and the attention. Thank you for joining us on the Charlie Harari Show. We'll see you next week. And you're listening to the Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network.